God for the way that you have seen him move. To thank him for the way that he has made a way for us to know him. To be able to talk with him, to come in this room and to worship him. Just take a moment to think and be thankful of the ways that he's moved in your life. question. That song, first of all, was a song about conviction, a conviction of what you believe. 
You may not see God working. You may not feel God working, okay? Even when you can't see it, conviction is knowing that he's working, right? Conviction is knowing that what God is doing, you know God's working, even though you can't see it or feel it. You know that he is present and he is there and he is doing a work. So, and we're going to, we're going to close, kind of close with that this morning uh, as we come to a close on this particular talk this morning. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to go ahead and get your Bibles out. We're going to be back in Luke chapter 15 this morning, Luke 15, and we're going to be tracking along the latter part of that story of the prodigal son. But I want to ask you a question. And as I ask you this question, you might even want to write this down, okay? You might want to write this down. Write down your answer to this question. But here's the question. How do you view God? How do you picture God? Is he a higher power? Is he a cosmic Santa Claus? Is he an angry disciplinarian? Is God distant? Is God just an idea? Is he a friend? Is he just one of many gods? Is he just non-existent? Here's the question. Would you consider God your father? Would you consider God your father? Now, before we tap into that, let me preface what we're going to talk about today with this. I realize that in a room that we're in and the, and the students that are in this room, some of you may not have good relationships with your daddies. Some of you may not have any relationship with your dads. And this is a hard talk for you to hear. And let me just say that if that's you, My prayer is that you would have an open heart to hear this message and for you to receive the word as it's coming from God the Father. And that you would be able to transition and have an open heart and an open mind to receive the truth that we're about to receive this morning. Because... If we are dealing and if we have wounds from our dads, let's just say that that's valid. Those are real. Okay? We're going to acknowledge that. And that in today, as we talk, God wants to do something in your life to help you understand and know that God is... Um, greater than your dad. God is greater than the wounds that you may have experienced and, and that you may carry, that you may have right now. Some may be fresh. Some may be scabs right now. Some may just be scars. And you just haven't gotten over it. So I want to make sure that as we talk through this, that there's an understanding that 
you may not have a good relationship with your daddy. And that's hard. That's hard. And, but God wants to do a work in your life. And he wants you to have a good understanding of his love for you. Because he's a perfect father. And there is no perfect father other than him. Okay? So, with that, uh, let me pray for us. And, uh, and, and I know that was kind of a really, really crazy deep way to jump into this, but I feel like we just needed to have that quick conversation about this is a real thing, all right? So let's pray and let's jump in to what we are going to read and hear and learn about the heart of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you, Father, for your word and for how it transforms us, how it speaks truth, how it is like an ointment that soothes our wounds. It brings healing to broken hearts. And so, Father, I pray that you would speak mightily to us this morning as we dive in to the prodigal son and the heart of the father. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, your opening question was this. How do you view God? How do you view him? As we jump into the continuation of this story of the prodigal son, we're going to walk away. Here's the thing. We're going to walk away with a much clearer understanding of who God is and his heart for us. Okay? We're going to walk away with that. That's the goal is to know who God is and to know his heart. Now, personally, I talked a little bit about this last night. I am a father, been a father for 24 years, okay? And I would do anything for my kids. I want to give them good gifts. I would die for my kids. And no matter what they do, I said it last night, no matter what they do, there is nothing that they could ever do that would ever make me stop loving them nor is there anything that they would ever do that would not, uh, where they would not be able to come home. I will always love my children, and they will always have a place in our home. And that is the heart of God the Father. And that's something that I saw modeled in my own father. Okay, I have a good relationship with my dad. We've gone through our struggles. We've gone through our difficulties. My dad is now pushing towards his 80s. He deals with some health issues. And so now I am more in this position of I have to be a friend to my dad and to help him in his times of need, whether if it's dealing with physical ailments or just being a listening ear at this point. But I've got a good relationship with my dad. I've seen my dad transform. I've seen my dad go from a hard-nosed businessman that his whole goal was set on making his millions. I've seen him go from that to losing it all, not once but twice. When I say losing it all, I'm talking about homes being foreclosed on. I'm talking about losing everything. But the one thing that my dad never lost, my dad never lost hope in his relationship with Jesus Christ. 
He never lost hope. My dad went through some very, very difficult times with my mom's health, with my brother's health, some of the things that I had to struggle through in my own life. Even as a young married man, my dad had to help me through some things in my marriage. My dad's had to help me through some things in my ministry. He's been, a, he's been an incredible source of wisdom and counsel, and plus he's a great content when it comes to just him doing stupid things, okay? I mean, my dad can do some stupid things, and I've seen him do some stupid things to the point, like, I'll tell you this, one, this, is, a little, this is a little tangent. I love to fish. And we would go down to the beach down in Destin. Um, and where we would go, they had these two little piers, these two little boat docks. And on these boat docks, they were kind of in the shape of a T. And I was always, I was always the one that would go out to the T part. And I would just sit out there and, and fish. Well, typically it was the night we got down there, I was always at the dock and I was always fishing. I just I wanted to put my hook in the water and just see what I could catch. I caught everything from a Spanish mackerel to pinfish to a seagull. <laughs> okay, uh, seriously, I cast my line out there and it was perfect. The seagull was flying right across and wham, my fishing line hit that seagull, wrapped around the seagull, and I had to reel in a bird. Seagulls don't like fishing lines and they don't like people. And he was not a happy seagull. Well. My dad, he's coming down, and he's checking out all the boats. Well, on the sides of these docks, there's these little bitty piers. There's these little walkways. They're tiny. They're short. And dad's looking at one of these boats, and he's just walking right along. I'm sitting at the end of the dock, and I'm fishing. It's dark. There's a little bit of light shining on the boats. And all of a sudden, I hear this splash. I was like, Dad? No answer. Dad, still no answer. And I'm just hearing this flailing around, splashing and everything. Dad, what? My dad had fallen off the pier. He had fallen off the dock and he was holding on to dear life onto one of these pylons. Unfortunately, those pylons had all those barnacles, all those shells on it. So he was cut up. He was, oh, he was nasty. This is the first day of vacation for us and for him. He had to spend the next 24 hours or so having just ripped up arms. He had to stand in the shower and clean out all his wounds. It was terrible. It was awful. But my dad fell off this pier, not paying attention to the dock. All right. So there are some crazy moments that we have had as father and son hunting, fishing golfing he can't play golf he's terrible he's awful at playing golf he can't swing but my dad's taught me he coached me in baseball he's coached me in football he's been my cheerleader in all throughout my life had a great dad and i saw the heart of the father my heavenly father i saw that modeled in my own father i'm very thankful for that and in my relationship with god I've seen how his love for me is like that of a father's love. So here's the big idea. Here's the big idea that I want you to get. At the heart of God is the heart of the father. At the heart of God is the heart 
of the Father. So let's jump into Luke chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 20. We're going to go to verse 32, okay? Starting in verse 20, we're going to go to verse 32. Here we go. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, we're talking about the younger son, the runaway. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Let me stop right there for just a second. Check out what the father did. He saw the son coming from a distance. He didn't wait for the son to get to the front porch. No, the father got up. He ran to the son. He embraced the son. And he kissed him. He kissed him. There was a joy that was unspeakable that the father had. He was excited that his son was coming home. And it was like he'd been watching and waiting every single day for his younger son to come home. But he got up, he ran, he embraced him, and he kissed him. And then the son said to the father, he said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. Now, his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he, the older son, was angry, and he refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. He said, but he answered the father. He said, look, these many years I have served you and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you give me, you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, the father said to the son, son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this, your brother, was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Incredible story that we read right here. The older son, obviously looking at his own feelings, and his own feelings interpreting how he was going to behave. But then the father's perspective is beautiful. The father's perspective is beautiful. The father did not, while it hurt that the son dissed the father and he squandered everything that the father had given him, that was not what was on the father's heart. What the father saw was the son was dead and was now alive. He was lost and is now found. That was the perspective of the father. So 
what do we discover? Here's the question. What do we discover about God the Father in this passage? In this scripture, what do we discover? Number one, what we discover is that the Father forgives. The Father forgives. And when you come back to God, you are made new. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's not a matter of what you've done. It's a matter of that you were dead and now you're alive. You were lost and now you're found. That's the perspective of the Father. It's not that God is taking your sin and holding it over you anymore, okay? It's not that he's, he's putting that pressure and saying, you did this and you did this and you did this and you've got to do this and this and this in order to earn your way back into my good graces. That's not who God is. That's not what God does. No, what God does is he takes your sin and he throws it as far as the east is from the west. And he says, and he, and he, and he throws it into the sea of forgetfulness and he puts a sign right there on the seashore and says, no fishing. Don't be going back at it. Don't be fishing back for what I have forgiven you for. I have forgiven you of your sin and I no longer count it against you. The Father forgives. But yet what we do is we go back and we say, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me a hired servant. Let me earn my way back in. And God says, nope. I forgive you. Let's put the robe on you. You're a son. You're a daughter. I forgive you. You were dead. Now you're alive. You were lost now you're found. The Father forgives. And He forgives completely. He forgives unconditionally. He forgives. Secondly, the Father loves. The Father loves. When you come back to God, when you come back to God, and that was the message last night, when you come back to God with all of your stuff, with all of your junk, with all of your brokenness, with all of your sin, God does not condemn you. Rather, what he does is he lavishes his love on you. He pours out his love on you. And all of the shame and the guilt that you have in your life, he takes that from you and he lays it on Jesus Christ to not only do away with your sin, but to do away with the guilt that's associated with your sin. You can look that up in, in Isaiah. That Jesus Christ is not only a sin offering, but he's a guilt offering. Because a lot of times, you know, when we screw up, what new, normally com, correlates with that is guilt, the guilt that we feel, all right? But what God does is he takes not only your sin and not hold it against you anymore, but he also takes your guilt that you experience in that, and he puts that away too. So he sets you free from sin and guilt. Jesus is a sin offering and a guilt offering. And the reason is this, is because he loves you. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that what? While we are still sinners. What does Christ do? Christ died for us. God demonstrates his love to us 
that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. So at the heart of God is the heart of the Father. We see that the Father forgives. We see that the Father loves. He takes your sin. He no longer condemns you. There's no longer any condemnation. Okay? No condemnation. You are now free. You are now set free from the law of sin and that law of guilt. And the third thing that we see is this. The Father celebrates. The father celebrates. When the son comes home, when the son comes home, the father throws a banquet. He throws a big old party. Big old party. He puts new clothes on him. He prepares a feast. He puts a ring on the son's favor. He kills a cow. He invites his friends. He invites his neighbors. And he announces to the world, my son has come home. He announces to the world that he was dead and he's now alive. He announces to the world that this son of mine was lost and he's now found. In other words, the father was fired up and he was excited to see this new life in the life of his son that he could now experience. Now, the father didn't have to throw the party. Just the fact that he was letting the son come home, that was radical love in and of itself. But no, the father went the extra mile and he celebrated and he invited people over to celebrate this new life that his son had. And he threw that party, not only to show that the son was was not just forgiven, but he threw that party to demonstrate to the son that the son was joyfully and eagerly welcomed back home. That's what God does. And God welcomes you joyfully. He welcomes you eagerly back home. That's who God is. And when you come back to God, when you come back to God, He celebrates. If you were to look back a few, past, a few scriptures in this passage in Luke chapter 15 and verse 7, Check this out. There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who don't need to repent. In other words, for just one person, just one who returns back to God, God celebrates. And all of heaven celebrates. All of heaven celebrates. Throws a party. And I love parties. I love them. But I can't imagine the kind of party that God is going to throw. All right? I can't imagine it. It is beyond my wildest imaginations to think about the celebration that is caused in heaven when one person comes to know Jesus. The Father celebrates. The Father forgives, the Father loves, and the Father celebrates. So as the band comes back up, I want us to give us, I want to give us this application. How do we apply what we're going to, how are we going to apply with what, what are we going to do to apply with what we just heard? Because all of this is good stuff, okay? This is great stuff. 
But what do we do? What is my number one? What is my one and only purpose at this point? What's my next step? If God loves me, if God forgives me, and if God is celebrating the fact that I'm a changed person, that I was dead, now I'm alive, that I was lost, and now I'm found, what's my next step? What is it? Y'all ready for this? Here's your next step. Your one and only purpose in this life is to please the Father. To please the Father. That's it. Just to please the, please the Father. Man, as a dad, there is so much joy that I have as a father when I see my kids enjoy in life. When I see them celebrate, when I see them serving, when I see them playing, when I see them just living life. Now when they're obstinate, when they're being This is going to be gross, but when they're turds, okay. All right. I don't like that. That's not cool. It doesn't bring me pleasure as a father when they're just being dimwits. All right. But our one and only purpose in this life is to please the Father. Please God. Well, how do you do that? How do you please the Father? Two ways. Two ways. One is faith. Faith. You see, in Hebrews chapter 6, cha excuse me, chapter 11, verse 6, the Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's impossible. You may say, well, look, I go to church and I do this and I go to this camp and I serve on this mission trip and I'm doing all these good things. Listen, those are all good things, but those are not what make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is your conviction in who God is and your obedience to what he's doing and what he's calling you to do in your life and following him. So without faith, it is impossible to please God. So the question is, what is faith? Well, Hebrews answers that question and so does Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter two, what we see is that faith is a gift. Faith is a gift from God that empowers you to believe in his son, Jesus. And God gifts that to you to empower you to believe in Jesus, to have that conviction that when you can't see it, when you can't feel it, you believe. So faith is a gift that empowers you to believe, but faith is also the assurance of things that are hoped for, the conviction of things that are unseen. So faith is an assurance, but faith is also a conviction. Faith is an assurance that God is who he says he is, that God is your father. God is your, 
He is your savior. God is your friend. And it's also a conviction of the things unseen. When you can't see it, you know he's working. When you can't feel it, you know he's working. He is a way maker. And God's way is going to always be through the sea. It'll always be like that. But faith is a gift. And faith is the assurance of the things that are hoped for. What do we hope for? I'll tell you what I hope for. I hope for heaven. I hope that one day, and I know that one day, this is my conviction, that Jesus is going to come back. And when he comes back, he's going to take every believer and take them back home with him into eternity, into heaven. That's my conviction. That's what I hope for. Have I seen heaven? No. Have I seen Jesus? No. Have I seen God? No. But I believe that's my conviction. I've seen evidence of what God can do. And it's my faith that pleases the Lord. It's my obedience to God, obedience to his word that brings him pleasure. It's not about pleasing people. It's about pleasing the Lord. So here's the, here's the point. Your one and only purpose in this life is to please God, to please the Father. So as we close this service this morning, I want you to think about that. I want you to think about your faith. Is it sure? Is it a conviction that you have? Do you need to just come to the altar right here? And just spend a few moments with the Lord in prayer. You need to lay some things down and say, hey, this is getting in the way of my faith. This is getting in the way of my relationship with the Lord. And I just need to lay it down. So as the band sings, we're going to sing, come to the altar. And as they do, if you need to come to the altar and pray, if you need to pray with your small group leader, whomever, let this be a time where you just do a little, or God just does a little work in, in your heart. And you begin to lay some things down and your faith grows. Okay? Your faith grows. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the gift of faith so that it empowers us to believe in Jesus, even though we can't see him, we can't feel it, okay? But we know that you're working, God. And God, I know that right now you're doing a mighty work in the lives of these students in this room right now. And some of them need to lay some things down at the altar and come to you, to come back to you. Maybe to receive a free, that free gift of eternal life. Maybe it's just to repent of sin in their life and to know that they are forgiven that they are loved and that they are celebrated over because of their return 
to you. We love you, Father. And it's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing.